Let me add my happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, what are you thankful for in this wonderful year of 2020? How's your 2020 going? A lot to be thankful about. Amen. So I, uh, I have to say, I was just encouraged uh, before I begin to share a little bit about my 2020. I don't know if all of you know Chris Cannon, uh, but he's been joining us here at service, and he just encouraged me to share a little bit about my 2020, what I'm thankful about um, in this year. So I don't know what your 2020 has been like, but my 2020 started in February when my wife passed away. Uh, that was the beginning of my 2020. And soon after that, uh, right around the same time in March, I learned that um, the guy who raised me wasn't my dad, and I met my biological father for the first time in March of 2020. And then uh, soon after that, in August, as you know, my church merged into a new church, CCPV, which you guys are all now attending. And then soon after that, in October, I found out that my company's being sold. <laughs> and we'll see what the future holds, but it's not clear uh, what my position in the new company is going to be. And of course, COVID and the riots and the elections, my 2020. And so in the midst of all that, what am I thankful for uh, in this year, considering all that has been going on? Um, and, you know, I'm thankful because in the midst of all that, God has been incredibly good. I'm thankful that I have a new family, a biological family and a new church family <laughs> that has been a part of my life. I'm thankful for brothers like Chris that will encourage me to share that goodness that even in the midst of it all, that we serve a good and great God, and we have a lot to be thankful for. I'm thankful for being in a church that can actually meet uh, because we have this facility outdoors. Uh, I'm thankful for the fact that COVID has brought me closer to my kids than I could have ever imagined. We've spent more time together this year than I've had to spend in a long time. I'm thankful for uh, a God you know, I'm going to give you a little prelude to next week. Daniel's going to be preaching on the rest of chapter 4, and it's about Jesus in the boat with his disciples in the midst of a storm. Well, I'll tell you what I'm most thankful for. I'm most thankful for being in the boat with Jesus <laughs> because regardless of the storm outside, I know who I'm in the boat with. And what we're going to see today is that we can be thankful because that God loves us enough to want to share the secrets of his kingdom with us so that we can know how to live the kingdom of heaven even here on this earth, amidst whatever's going on. And I don't know what your 2020 is like. Um, prayerfully, better than mine. Uh, but whatever it is, God has endowed us with the secrets of his kingdom that allow us to live the kingdom life here on this earth. And that's what we're going to be looking at as we look at the parables in the rest of chapter, not the rest of chapter 4, but verses 21 through 34. Daniel shared with us last week that the parables of the sower, uh, that Jesus, in explaining that parable, was giving to us the keys to understand all parables. Um, and he explained that ultimately, what parables are about, they involve the things of God, his word, his kingdom, his desires and intentions for us. And he explains them to us in earthly examples, in way that we can understand. Or to put it another way, a parable is an earthly material story that reveals heavenly and spiritual truths. You know, Romans 1 tells us this, that it is God's desire to share himself with us. He says, for what can be known about God is plain to them 
because God has shown it to them. And so for people who say that I just don't know if there's a God or not, God says he's made it plain. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that he has made. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's taking the created things to reveal to us the nature and character of the creator. And that's what parables are intended to do. And Jesus says the first step is to understand in God and to understanding these parables, the first step is what Daniel talked about last week is simply to listen. Daniel shared the importance of listening and he unfolded for us here that the Bible is talking about actively listening. It's not about hearing the sounds. It is about paying attention. And Jesus is gonna say this again and again, pay attention. And that becomes the question for us. Are we paying attention to the things of the kingdom? Or are we too easily and too often distracted by the created things and so that we aren't aware of the things of the kingdom? What are we focused on day in and day out? Jesus encourages us to focus on our Heavenly Father and to actively pay attention to the lessons that he is trying to teach us. And the reality of listening, when done properly, is that it uses all of our senses, not just our ears. Good listening engages our eyes, it engages our feelings, it engages our senses to pay attention to what the other person is saying to us through body language, um, you know, through their expressions, as well as the words, the tone in their voice. And this should be our approach when we read the Bible. And I realize it's oxymoronic to listen as we read, but you know what I mean. I'm pretty sure everybody here knows exactly what I mean. That when we read the Bible, we have to be paying attention, not just to the words on the page, not just to the stories that are being told, but to everything that is going on as we read. We want to pay attention to the context. Context matters. We want to pay attention to the order of the words and the order of the stories. The differences amongst the Gospels tell something to us about what Jesus is trying to tell us. It all matters as God tries to get us very finite, limited beings to come to understand an infinite and eternal God. It's like the ways that an adult talks to a child. When you're talking to a child, we recognize that that a child doesn't have the full cognizance that we have. And so without the funny voice that adults tend to use around children, the Bible is trying to get us to relate to things that are relatable in a way that can help us understand things that we may not otherwise understand. And that's what Jesus wants us to look at as he builds off the keys that he gave us last week. The keys to understanding these parables and the keys, therefore, to the secrets of the kingdom of God. And so as we look at what Jesus is sharing, let's notice a couple of things and what the Bible is saying. But before we do that, let's simply read the scripture that we're going to be looking at today. Chapter 4, verses 21 to 34. It says this, And he said to them, is a lamp brought and put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear, because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. 
The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray and we'll keep going. Lord God, thank you for your word. Father, thank you for the parables that Jesus has given us, the stories that reveal to us the secrets of the kingdom. Thank you for your desire that we would know you more and more. Father, speak to our hearts today that we might uh, see the truths of your word, that we might understand them, Father. Help us to have the revelation of who you are and what it means to us to be a part of your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the first thing we should note as we uh, look at these parables is the eagerness with which Jesus is sharing the parables. He has just revealed to his disciples the keys to understanding a parable and the example that he gave in the sower who sows the seed. Um, and that Bible tells us that he told them many parables. It says this twice here in chapter 4. And this is important to recognize because as Daniel dealt with last week, is somehow the notion that God is hiding things from people, that God somehow doesn't want people to actually understand or engage or get to know him. People always say, well, if, if, if God is real, why doesn't he just show himself? And I always like to say he did <laughs> 2,000 years ago. And that still wasn't enough for most people. And so God is eagerly trying to get people to get to know him. He's not hiding anything. And Jesus' action makes it clear that, that his desire is to be known. He is sharing eagerly, willing, as Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. And Jesus says this in the beginning of this section. He says, look, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? And he says, no. He says, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. And Jesus says, Jesus as the light of the world, he says, now that I've been revealed, it's not God's intent to hide from anyone the truths that he's sharing with you. Rather, as Ephesians 3.9 in, as Ephesians 3.9 tells us, the Bible makes clear that God has brought out the light for everyone in order to know what is the plan of the mystery that was hidden for ages, so that through the church, and that is us, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. And so what we need to see is God's desire to make himself known. But God, through Jesus, uses parables because Jesus is realistic, number one. And number two, I think we should understand that it is the mercy of God that he speaks in parables. Realistic, because he recognizes that men, as John 3 tells us, prefer the darkness instead of the light. Most people don't really want to know the truth. And so their hearts aren't open to the truth. And so the parables become like a screening mechanism for those who are going to pursue after God and say, no, no, I want to know more. And they're going to dig deeper into it. Or those who say, ah, I don't know what he's talking about, and they walk away. And God says, okay, if you don't want to know me, that's fine. But the second thing is it's merciful because the Bible also explains to us that to whom much is given, much is required. 
And the Bible tells us that for those of us who know truth and don't do anything with it, for that, for those, it's sin. And so for God to just openly reveal all of his secrets to man would be heaping sin upon sin if man is not prepared to do anything with it. And so it is merciful for God to speak in parables rather than to just share everything with everyone, even those whose hearts are closed to him. So the issue is not God's desire to share with man. It's man's desire to know God, a desire that can only initially be sparked by the Holy Spirit, but then becomes our responsibility to grow and to stoke the flames and to increase. And that's what Jesus encourages in, in, in verses 23 and 24. He says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear, because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And Jesus is saying here that just like physical ears that have been given to us by God, God gave us our ears. But then Jesus says how you use them is up to you. And so those who have ears, let them hear. Let them pay attention. And, now, and after this, Jesus uses an expression that he uses many times everywhere, but in different contexts. He says, with what measure you measure, it will be measured to you, and then more will be given. And for those who don't have, even what they have will be taken away. Now, this is one of those areas where people often say the Bible contradicts itself. Because as you go through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the same expression or the same parable is told, but in different contexts because it's used in different ways. In Matthew 7, 2, Jesus uses this expression to talk about judging. He says, with the measure that you judge, you'll be judged. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus uses this expression with giving. He says, when you give, if you give generously, God will give generously to you. And so in different contexts, he uses the exact same expression, but in different ways. And so the question becomes, is it contradictory? How do we square these things? How do we understand these different uses? Well, Many of you probably have heard many times, but Jesus was an itinerant preacher. And he would go from town to town, and he would tell the same stories over and over again. But he would tweak them. He would tweak them for the audience. He would tweak them for the point he was trying to make. Um, and he would use them differently in order to get across whatever it was he was trying to share with that particular congregation. But ultimately, what he's revealing is God's economy, the way God works. And in God's economy, what Jesus wants you to understand is that you can't outgive God. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Whatever it is, you're never going to be able to outgive this loving, generous God who wants to pour upon his children. If you are generous with others in Jesus' name and you give generously to fulfill their needs, then God is going to bless you beyond your expectation. And the examples are trying to show us that it's not just a matter of money. If you give your time, God's going to bless and honor that. If you are merciful to others and show compassion, God is going to bless and honor that. And, of course, the same thing with your money. If you give your money to those who are in need and you're giving to the church, then God is going to honor and bless that. And this holds true for our time. When we give God our time, he honors and he blesses that. When we spend time with him in prayer, when we spend time with him in the word, when we spend time donating our time uh, to give to the church, to give 
to serve others who may be in need or down at a shelter or in prison ministries or whatever it might be. When we give unto the Lord and in his name, he is going to honor that and bless it because you can't outgive God. And this is true for studying his word. When we spend time in the word of God, God honors and blesses that. And that's what he's saying here. With the measure with which you measure your time for the study of the word of God, that's going to be given back to you and more. David expresses this in Psalm 119, verses 97 to 99. He says this. He says, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. He says, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. And that's the benefit of spending time with the Lord in his word. God says, when you spend time with me, we're going to make you even wiser than your teachers. Because I can give you that kind of wisdom. God rewards the effort we put out in getting to know him. He rewards your time sitting here this morning to dig into his word and to get to know him. He's going to give that back to you. Martin Luther is quoted as saying this. He says, I have so much to do today. I'm so busy that I'm going to spend the first three hours in prayer. (laughs) There was a man who knew God's economy. The busier we are, the more time we should give to God. Because God says, I'm going to give it back to you and more. That is his promise. And the only question for us is our faith. Are we going to take that step of faith, trust him, and give him that time? Or are we going to try to do things our own way? I remember a, a story of a, uh, of, a, of a missionary who was in a village, and he had just preached um, on the story of the talents. And he says that the next day after he had preached on the story of the talents, um, a fisherman went out that morning, early in the morning, and he caught his first fish, and he rowed back in, and he brought the fish, and he knocked on his door early in the morning, and he gave him the fish. And he said, I gave my first fish to the Lord. I'm expecting 10 more. (laughs) And he got back in his boat and went out and finished the day fishing. There was someone who heard the word of God and put it to use, trusting that whatever you give to God, God's going to give back in abundance. And so it's a reminder for us to put the things of the Lord first and to trust that God will take care of the rest because God is actively engaged in the lives of his children. Uh, But before we move on, I want to be clear about this section because we can often start taking the things of the word of the world and kind of letting it seep into the things of the word. And I want to be clear about what Jesus is not talking about, right? In this concept of if you give, then God will give back to you abundantly. What Jesus is not talking about is karma. (laughs) There's no space for karma in the Bible. Right? This isn't about some boomerang effect or some cosmic cycle of cause and effect where I speak good things into the universe and they come back to me somehow, I don't know how, by some unknowable force. That is absolutely not what the Bible is talking about. Our God is a living, conscious being that is the creator of all things. He is a loving father who has adopted us into his family. And this is the response of a father to his children. God doesn't owe us anything, right? We aren't supposed to sit there. It's not the expectation of what I deserved. I didn't deserve it because I was faithful to God's word. It's simply the response of a loving father to his children. 
The same way any parent here wants to bless their child when they see their child acting as they have instructed it or desired for it to be. So we need to be very careful that we don't read into the notion of, of God's economy, this idea of karma, or this idea of somehow that God owes us for whatever it is we might do. Jesus makes this explicit in the next couple of parables, because first he says that the kingdom of God is like a farmer who sows seeds, and we've already had one parable of the sower of the seed, but another one. And so the seed, again, is the word of God. And he says, and it grows, and we don't know how. You see, this isn't the boomerang effect. We don't know how. It's a mystery because God is the one who's making it grow as he sees fit for his purposes and out of his love and compassion for us. And so Jesus says, we don't know how it grows, but Jesus goes on to say, but note our responsibility as that seed grows. He says, once the grain is ripe, our job is to put in our sickle and harvest it. That's what we want to do here, right? We're here spreading the word of God. And as Daniel encouraged us last week, we want to be doing what? Reaping. We want to be reaping the harvest that God is going to be giving us. That means just bringing people to Jesus. Bring them here to church. Bring them to the, the ministries, young adults, or to truth seekers. Bring them in. You know, pray with your, your friends who may not know the Lord as they tell you about the things that's going on in their life. Just keep bringing people to Jesus, the real them, to the real Jesus so that they too can become part of this family. That's our responsibility. It's not to figure out how the growth is going to happen. Throw the seeds, reap the harvest. That's all God is calling us to do. And now one more quick note on this parable, um, because I think it's really important. I think it's really neat the way Jesus goes out of his way in the parable of the seed to give details about how the plant grows. He says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, right, is how the flowers and the, and the plants grow. And what is Jesus implying here? Why does he go through these details? Is Jesus just showing off his, his understanding of agriculture to a city boy like me? I don't think so. And what Jesus is trying to do is for, give us the lesson to understand that growth takes time. And we need to give people time to grow. I think sometimes the church, as the church, we get so eager and we become so pushy about people in their Christian walk that we can become poisoned in the soil, to be frank with you. I know I've done it myself. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it takes time. Let's give time for people to grow, right? Now, that's not an excuse to be a slacker um, because we see here in the lesson that we have to measure out how we f pursue God's word. And we need to be eager in pursuit of God's word. But it is a reminder that we need to give ourselves, we need to give others time. And we need to be patient because God is causing that increase. And we need to love on them or we want to feed them good nutrients into the soil. Encouragement, positive engagement to help them grow rather than to become a hindrance to that growth. And then really quickly here, we're going to cover the last parable because the last parable is there to remind us that everything we get from God is meant to be shared. You see, yes, God is going to bless us in abundance. He's going to reveal all kinds of secrets to us individually and as a body. He's going to cause us to grow corporately, individually. But whatever God is doing in your life, ultimately the heart of the Father and our desire should be to give it away. And in verse 30, Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed 
which when it is sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the planet. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Being part of God's economy is to be a giver. You see, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave. That's how he shows his love. And that's how our hearts are meant to be, that as we grow in relationship with this God, as he blesses us in abundance, we need to become just like that mustard plant where people can come and rest in our shade. And we become givers to give back all that God has given to us. The more we become like Christ, the more we're going to seek to give. The more we're going to want to bless others. Why? Because you can't outgive God. <laughs> and the more we're blessing others, the more we can expect those blessings to flow back to us. But Jesus goes even further. He says, look, not only that, he says, note that the word of God is like the mustard seed. It's the smallest of all seeds. And yet, when it grows. And what Jesus is telling us here is that the, the gospel, as simple as it is, as tiny as it is, it's this very simple tale of a God who loved us and sent someone down to die on our behalf, that we might be reconciled back to him that we might be in relationship with the God that we had rebelled against. It's a simple tale that has profound and endless benefits and effects from that small and simple tale. And that's exactly what we see has happened with the gospel, right? A nothing carpenter from a nothing town in a nothing country 2,000 years ago that was at the time subject to the greatest power on the face of this earth, Rome, that we shouldn't even have heard about. This nothing carpenter made a claim to being more than just a carpenter. And his life and his death has affected everything since then. We date our calendars by him. All of history has been changed because of that small seed. And that's the reality even today. If we will just simply sow those seeds, the effects will be beyond what any of us can expect in our lives and in the lives of those that are around us. And then as we close, we get to the very end, and Jesus has saved the best for last. And it's not even in a parable. Because as we get to the end of this section in verse 33, it's almost strange what the Bible shares with us. It says this, it says, With many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that statement, every time I read that statement, it's a little confusing to me. Because I start looking for the lost gospel. I start going like, where did you hide the rest of the story, Jesus? Because you're telling me that he explained all these things to the, to the disciples. Now, I, I don't know what you got out of the parables I've just shared with you. You may think that they were a terrible explanation of the parables. You may think it was the greatest dis, you know, dissertation on parables you've ever heard. I have no idea. But I do know this. Jesus explained all of these things to his disciples, and they didn't share it with us. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> How does it just end 
And the Bible goes on. And starts it, and in verse, you know, next week, Daniel's going to be on, on that day when evening came. He said to them, let's go across to the other side. Where are all the secrets? Why wouldn't they reveal them to us? Why would the Bible just move on? And you see, that is the ultimate secret to the kingdom of God. That is the very point. Because since the beginning of time, since the time of the garden, when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden and he said, look, enjoy the garden. Don't touch this tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That one you shouldn't touch. And the lie that came to them was, well, no, no, no. But if you touch it, you'll be like God. That somehow knowledge makes us like God. God says no. If we go back to what Jesus says here, it says that he privately shared with his disciples, that he taught them in private. And that is the desire of God today, is to intimately teach each and every one of us in the privacy of our hearts with the truths of his kingdom, because the relationship with him is far more important than the knowledge that is passed along. Because Jesus said, I am the truth. It's not the information that I pass along to you. The knowledge is in the person himself. And we only gain that knowledge through intimate relationship with the God. And that's what God desires. And that's the most important secret that is shared with us. That all these parables are there to whet our appetite, that we might come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you teach me as you taught your disciples? Would you share with me the secrets of the knowledge of your kingdom and engage actively with that God who wants to personally and individually get to know us? Like any parent who lovingly wants to spend time with their child. That's the ultimate secret to the kingdom of God. And so I don't know where you are here today, but the question for all of us is, is do we know this God intimately? If you haven't, and you haven't had that opportunity to get to know Jesus intimately and personally, we want to do that today. But if you are, if you've come to the kingdom and you've gotten to know him, the message here is that God always wants us to go deeper. He shared with them many parables. It's an infinite God with infinite truths that he wants to share. And he wants us to continue to come back to the well to come back to be filled up with the truths of who he is through that intimate and personal experience that comes from spending time with him. And that's the encouragement for today, that we would take that time and spend with him and get to know him so that he would truly reveal to us the secrets of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And as we pray, like I said, if you have not had that first step of just coming to get to know that God intimately, we're going to pray and give you an opportunity to just pray and get to know him, and then we'll close out uh, the rest of the service. Lord God, thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your love and your desire to know us. Father, may we be hungry for more of you. May we be hungry to be in that intimate personal relationship that you would be teaching us privately. Father, for those who are here who may not know you, may they simply pray out. Say, Lord God, I want to know you today. Lord Jesus, would you reveal yourself to me would you become my Lord and bring me into that relationship with God that you've promised that I can have? 
And Father, for the rest, may we be seeking every day to be hungry, to be into deeper and more intimate relationship with you, that we might know more and more the true secrets of your kingdom, Lord God, and live our lives here, even on this earth, through the secrets of the kingdom and in God's economy as you've promised. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.